0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Africa was good. Thanks for asking. I look forward to telling you guys about that. I'm going to share with you a little bit more about that. Uh, Not today. If if you're new, you probably have no clue what we're talking about. Last week, last Sunday, I uh, left here and flew to Atlanta And then uh, on Monday flew to Africa for a few days and we spent some time in North Africa uh, doing some ministry with some really cool people that I look forward to introducing you guys to in the future. Uh, And so it was a really good trip, but it's great to be back. Uh, And one of the things I missed while I was gone, but I got pictures of it, and and you probably took part in this uh, as a family, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning. Is Last Sunday night was Halloween, and so I'm I'm in Atlanta, and my little girl is is calling me and showing me her costume, and uh, she dressed up like a circus kind of tamer, lion tamer, and our our, our boxer, uh, she was the lion, and they made a thing for her, but you probably, like our family... Uh, some of your kids or your grandkids last week, they got together with maybe some of their friends and, and you had the opportunity to to walk around and in the space of about 24 hours, your kid got more candy than they needed and probably more candy than uh, they even needed for the whole year they got in the space of 24 hours. We found out our uh, our candy actually a couple days ago got eaten by our dogs. Uh, so that, that, that was a, not good in our family, but for most of you, your kids get a ton of candy, and if you're a really good parent, you make sure that you tax your children's candy stash fairly liberally. I mean, any good parent, any good grandparent, makes sure that they tax that, and they take part in eating some of that candy, and, and, and that's what all good parents do. Your kids, they don't need to eat all that, so you have to help them with it, uh, and so we do that. Uh, we're, we're, if we were really mean, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, whether you're watching online or you're here, if you've watched Jimmy Kimmel and you've watched some of his videos, he has a whole Halloween prank that they've done year after year where they have parents tape their kids on the day after Halloween telling their kids that they ate all of their candy. And uh, some of the reactions that kids Give. I mean, there's some words that are said that kids should not even know, uh, but they say. You see, kids go nuts because of this, and so we're we're not terrible parents uh, where we don't do that to our kids. But but you see this on uh, on Jimmy Kimmel, and if you've never watched some of those videos, you may want to Google that because it's hilarious to watch. It's these parents are the kids are waking up and they're kind of like half awake and they're you know still sleeping in their eyes and they they say. Hey, uh, you know, Jimmy, I just got to tell you, I just wanted to let you know that uh, mom and we we ate all your candy last night. And you watch these little kids and some of them, they're sweet kids and they're like, and you know, they feel terrible. But then there's others of them that just go nuts on their parents and, and they have to beep out some of the words that these kids say. And I mean, the kids just go off. And probably for you, you don't Go crazy when somebody talks about eating your candy. That's probably not a big deal. But probably for all of us, if we're honest, there's things in our life that if somebody says something to us or if somebody talks about a certain subject or kind of pokes at us in the wrong way in a specific area, man, it it can set us off pretty quick. And for you, you're probably not going to fall on the floor and throw a temper tantrum like these kids do when their candy gets eaten. But, but for you and for me, we react differently, but we definitely understand what it's like to, man, have somebody say something or poke at us in a certain way, and it, it really upset us. And for you, you might react differently, hopefully, than the kids. For you, it might be, you know what, you, you start to worry about stuff, and so you, you lose sleep at night because of worry, because of what's happened or what someone said. Uh, for you, you might find yourself Working, like overworking, you, you have this issue, somebody said something to you or something happened in your life and it, it starts to set you off and it starts to make you upset. And so the way you react is you just work and work and work. Or maybe for you, you have kind of a a distraction of choice that you go to. Maybe you drink a little too much. Maybe you eat too much. Maybe you're impatient with your family. We all have the distraction of choice that we go to when something's not right in our life. And we react because of it. And our kids react. They don't know enough maybe not to react outwardly and, and to throw a temper tantrum. But for us... We all react a certain way when things don't go the way we expected or the way we think they should go. And let's be honest, the last couple of years, we haven't needed to look really far to find things that could cause us some stress, could cause us some anxiety, could cause us to be angry or frustrated. It's been quite a few things that have been right in front of us over the last few years, that can cause those things. And so for us, what we're going to do over the next four weeks is we're going to look at a, a book of the Bible that speaks to a lot of the real-life issues that we deal with. And they speak, it speaks to the real-life issues that we deal with, and it speaks to them in a very straightforward and even sometimes shocking way. And it's the book of Psalms. And whether you grew up in church, whether you're somebody that's maybe investigating faith, whether you're somebody that's, that's a follower of Jesus or you're not, the book of Psalms has tons of great insight on the real issues of our life, and it speaks to them in a way that we probably want to hear. I don't know about you, but when, when I'm going through something or when something's not right in my life... I don't need somebody to sit down with me and make it look better than it really is. I need somebody to tell me the truth, speak to me honestly. And that's what the book of Psalms does. And a lot of the book of Psalms was written by a guy that, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably have heard of. His name was David. And David, if if you didn't grow up in church, probably what you know about David is that he's the guy that killed the giant. And if you did grow up in church, you might have dressed up like David at your, your harvest festival at your, in your children's program at church. I mean, he's kind of like one of the heroes of, of church kids. But, but David's a guy that doesn't matter how you grew up, you probably have heard of him. And when you delve into David's life that like we're going to do, when you delve into some of his writings, you, you quickly find out that David's life was far from problem-free, in fact, some of the issues and problems and, and frustrations that David faced would make our issues seem kind of JV. Because David, man, if you, if you think about his life and if, whether you know much about him or not, David faced rejection. He faced jealousy from the most powerful man in his country, the king. And when David became king, and even before he became king, there was very few nights that he went to bed where there wasn't someone out trying to kill him. Very few nights would he go to bed where there wasn't somebody that was trying to take his power or his kingdom and trying to take his life. That was just what he lived with. And David, he, he... hurt some people deeply even in his own life he was hurt deeply but he hurt some people deeply because of some very bad decisions that he made in his own morality in his own life and so David's life was far from problem free but yet David in the midst of all the craziness some that he caused some that happened to him he's known as a friend of God he's known as a man after God's own heart and David, in later on in his life, towards the end of his life, he penned a piece of poetry that we know as Psalms chapter 37. And what David does in Psalms 37, he speaks directly to how we and how he responded to to worry, how he responded to frustration, how he responded to hurt that he faced. He, he spoke directly to it. And here's what I love about David. He doesn't pretend that issues don't exist. He doesn't try to make things look better than they really do. He speaks to the problems in his life, and he speaks to them directly, knowing how tough they are. And in Psalms 37, you'll see, and, and you can look up at the screen, or if you have your Bible, you can turn there, Psalms 37, he starts this way. He says this. He says, do not be agitated by evildoers. So this word agitated, it's a pretty, pretty easy word to understand. It could be, also be, don't worry. Don't fret. Don't burn inside because of evildoers. Don't, don't allow the things that evil people do to rent space in your head. Don't be agitated by evildoers. And then he says this, Do not envy or be jealous of those who do wrong, for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like tender green plants. So David, he starts this this piece of poetry that he wrote later in his life after he had experienced a a lot of great times, but a lot of frustrations, a lot of hurt, a lot of things that he caused in his own life, some of the bad things that he did that hurt others. He says, don't be agitated by evildoers. Don't be jealous or envious of those who do wrong, for they will wither quickly like grass. They'll wilt like the tender green plant. And here's how David starts as He addresses two of the things that cause us frustration, worry, and issues in our life. He talks about people and he talks about perspective. He he talks about people, and here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He he doesn't say, hey, there's not bad people. No, he speaks to it like, hey man, there are bad people, there are people doing bad things. And and, and people, and you understand this, people who are making your life difficult because of their wrong decisions tend to make us worry, tend to frustrate us. And David says, Hey, don't 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 be upset, don't be agitated, don't worry, don't fret. Because of people who are in your life that because of their bad decisions are making your life difficult. But then he says this. He says, there's also people in your life that are not great people, but it seems like everything's going great for them. He says, man, don't don't be agitated by evil people. And every single one of us we could sit down very quickly and we could think through our life and think through some of the frustrations, some of the worries that we're facing, some of the things that are, are tough in our life and they're directly tied to somebody else's bad decisions. And those bad decisions are affecting our life. They might be people that we don't know that because of their decisions, it's some way affecting our life, or it might be people that live in the same house as us. And if we're honest, some of those bad decisions that affect our life is what keeps us up at, up at night with worry. It's frustrating. It's, we, we find ourselves throughout the day just struggling with our thinking because of some of those people. And David says, don't be agitated by that. Don't be worried about that. And, and don't be worried about and here's the other side of it he says you know what there are people that are bad people and it seems like things are great for him you, you might be sitting there thinking like why did the most dishonest employee in the company get the promotion like I, I know what that guy's like I know what that gal's like why, why does it seem like they always get the promotion? Or why did they get the raise? Or why did they get the, the better office? Why, why did they get that to happen when we all know they're not great people? Why? We struggle with that. Like for me, why did the evil saints beat the good buccaneers last week? I just don't understand. I, I struggle. I was in Atlanta. I was watching this thing on the planes. Like, what is going on, God why are you allowing this to happen? You're like, Chris, really? Enough with the bucks. I can't help it. It's football season. But but you you understand. You've felt the same thing. Probably not about a sports team, but you've thought that about somebody. Like, why is so-and-so seem to prosper? Everything seems to be going great when I know they're a terrible person. And David says, man, don't sweat it. Don't, don't allow it to rent space in your head. Don't, don't allow it to agitate you and pull you down. Because, And then he moves on to the second word. that he, he talks about perspective. And he compares these people to plants. He, he compares these people to plants that are, are there for one season, but then go away. They die away. And he encourages us to take the long view and understand that evil is seasonal. Last week, if you were here, I told you that one of the ways that I'm proving my age is I, sh- I love my yard. And I love my yard. I spend time in my yard. I get really excited when it looks good. In fact, I'm, I, I, I'm a little bit hyperventilating now because I've been gone for a week. And so I came back into the grass is a little too long. And so I like, I got to get after it. But, but I, I like my yard. But but about a year after we moved here, man, I, I was doing all the stuff. I was, you know, mowing, watering, weed, this random, all the stuff. And all of a sudden, one day when I was out, I start to see this random weed in the middle of my grass. And so I was like, okay, well, let me pull it and make sure that goes away and it didn't bother me too much. But then the next week when I came out to kind of do my stuff, I noticed, well, I pulled that guy, but now there's... He had a couple babies because now there's three or four of those weeds in there, and before you know it, this random weed starts, in my mind, taking over my yard. I'm like, "What is going on?" And so, you know, I we had a little prayer meeting out there, laid hands on the yard, not really, but but I you know I did weed and I you know, did all the stuff, and then here's what happened when it started to the season started to change. What happened was my grass got healthier, and before you know it, the weed disappeared. And it reminds such a good illustration of, you know what? Like the, the evil, the, the frustrations, the things that, that rent a lot of space in our head, the things that keep us up at night, the hurts, a lot of those, if you think about it, a year from now, you won't even care about them. They won't even bother you. You'll forget you'll have to sit back and think, well, what was it really like? Because I can't really remember. And if it's not a year, I can tell you this, in eternity, it won't matter most of it. And David, as he's talking about this, he, he, he talks about how, man, there are evil people. And it does seem like the, the, the bad guys are winning sometimes. But he says, hey, don't be agitated. Don't allow this to worry or fret, make you fret or be upset. Because like weeds, evil is temporary. Temporary. But here's the thing. You already know that. Like, you didn't just say, well, dang it, Pastor Chris just told me something I've never heard before. Like, you already knew that. So do I. Like, like we already know that evil is temporary. We already know that what seems to be a really big deal right now, five years from now, we might not even remember but but in the midst of knowing that we still have some natural ways and some natural places, we go to, to deal with these frustrations. And, and so we go to, to different things to medicate ourselves or different things to distract ourselves, even though in our mind we know it's seasonal. We know it's going to go away someday. We know it's going to get better. We know God's at work. We know there's a bigger perspective, but yet we get caught up in it And let's be honest, we still struggle. Just because we know it in our mind, we still struggle. And here's why I love David. He speaks directly to what's going on. He speaks directly and straightforwardly to the problem, but he also doesn't leave us hanging. He speaks directly to what we can do about it and how he responded in the midst of all the things that were going on in his life. And he says this in verse three, he says, trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Verse four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Making your righteousness shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. And initially what we see is that David, what David does is he moves our focus from what is unsure to what is sure. He moves our focus from the things that that make us struggle and worry and fret and and all these things that that are in our minds and that we struggle with throughout the, the, the week and the day. And he moves our focus from things that are temporary and he begins to focus on things that are sure. Because here's what you know doesn't matter if you're a follower of Jesus, doesn't matter if you kind of where you are in your faith journey. These two things are true, and you know this. Focusing on the unsure leads to instability and worry. I mean, that's just, we know that. When we're focused on things that aren't sure, we're not stable, and we tend to worry. But here's what we also know. Focusing on the sure leads to freedom and rest. And so what David does after he's spoken directly to, yeah, there are evil people. Yeah, there there is things that frustrate you and worry you. And yes, it does seem like the bad guys are winning sometimes and the good guys are, it does, all that's true. But then he says this, he says, instead of responding with frustration and worry and allowing it to take us down like a tailspin in our life, he says this he says trust in the Lord and do what is good. That that word trust literally means to rely on or have confidence in it means to lean on with great security. So here and I know I'll probably mess up the camera people by doing this but when I sit down on this step here when I sat down on this step I could sit here and, and, you know, I flew across the world the last week, so, you know, I could just sit here and we could talk the rest of the time and it would be great. And you know what? I I could teach the rest of my message right from here. And you know what I would never worry about? Like, is this step going to collapse? I would be able to teach just like this, it might be hard for some people in the back to see, but I, for me personally, I would, I would not have any issues with teaching just like this. I would never think or worry about while I was teaching, like, all right, is this going to hold me up? No, I'd be able to teach just as free as I do when I'm standing, if, if I'm sitting here, because I'm, I'm putting all my weight on this seat, and I have 100% confidence in it, so I wouldn't think twice about it. And, and, and here's what, what happens, though. What a, what a lot of times we do is we lean on things that aren't secure. We, we put our trust in things that aren't secure. And so when we do that, what happens is we're no longer free. We no longer experience rest. What we experience is worry. What we experience is frustration. What we experience is, hey, I'm not able to do what I'm supposed to do because I'm spending a lot of my time worrying about what I'm leaning on. And if it's going to be secure... And we've all experienced that. We've all leaned on things in our life and put our weight into something in our life that wasn't stable. And it caused our life to be very challenging during that season. And what David says, he says, I want you to trust in the Lord. I want you to lean, rely on, have confidence in, put all your weight on the Lord because when you lean on him you can have security but then he says this trust in the Lord and do what is good do good trust in the Lord and do good and sometimes what happens when we're in the midst of a challenging season in our life we, we struggle to like know what even the next step is, and we're thinking way down uh, ahead of us, and we're, we're worried because, man, what, how's it going to play out in five years and ten years? And what David's saying is, "Hey, put all your weight on the Lord and just do good today. Do good today. Do what's right today. Do what is, is the next right thing in the presence of worry, frustration, and uncertainty. Because you're leaning on something that, sure, you can just do good. And you don't have to sweat it. Because what you're leaning on isn't going to give out. If what you're leaning on is possibly going to give out, then it's going to be tr- hard for you to focus on doing good. Because you're going to have to worry about, is this thing going to collapse? And, and, and here's what I, what I know, and, and here's what you know. Like, I, I don't know all the answers and neither do you, but because I don't have to know all of them, I can just lean on something that's sure and then just do good today. But, but this is going on in my life and this frustration and this worry and, and I, I stayed up last night and I was struggling with my thinking in this area and, and I don't know what's going to happen two years from now in this one thing and, and I, struggle. I'm struggling with this and, and here's what David says. Yes, all that's true. Those people are bad. There There is things coming in your life, but you can't do anything about it. Trust in what is sure and do what is good today. You can do that. Instead of responding with worry and frustration, trust in the Lord and do what is good. And then he says this, take delight in the Lord. This idea of delighting in the Lord is seek your happiness in God, in his being, in who he is, his love, his friendship. Seek your happiness in him. And here's what I know about you, and you you also know this about me, whether you're online or you're here this morning. Every person that's listening to this, including the person that's saying it, has at times in their life sought happiness from sources that let us down. Every one of us have. Every one of us has sought happiness from sources that hurt us, that let us down, that didn't meet our expectation. And here's what David's saying. He encourages us to take delight or seek our happiness, our fulfillment in God. Again, he's pointing us back to what is sure, what never changes. Because, man, all of the stuff that we put our trust in and, and seek happiness in, and, and we, you, we could sit here and talk about what some of those things are, but we already know them. We've experienced that. We understand what it's like to, to be let down or to be hurt because we were seeking happiness in, a, in an area that we didn't get it or we're trusting in something that wasn't stable and the carpet got pulled out from under us. And what David's saying is in the midst of the craziness, trust in the Lord and do good, and then delight. Seek your happiness in the Lord. And what's cool is as I delight in the Lord, my chief concerns and responses start to mirror Christ. As I delight in the Lord, as I seek my happiness in God, what happens is God changes the desires of my heart, and my desires start to reflect his desires. And and so just take a moment, like think about your own life. Watching online, are you here this morning? If your desires cause you to worry and be frustrated, and if there's conflict because you know those desires don't please God, and you're seeking happiness and fulfillment in areas that that you know they're not the right areas, and you know they're not going to bring fulfillment, what, what David says to us is he says, hey, you don't worry about changing your desires you focus on seeking happiness in God and God will change your desires God will change you you have to come to him you have to trust him don't don't try to fix yourself because you can't but when you seek first him when you seek your happiness in him he promises to change your desires. And that's what David says. Trust in the Lord and do what's good. And then he says, delight in the Lord. Make him your happiness. Make him what you seek. And when you do that, he begins to change you from the inside out. And then what David says, and I, this might be my favorite part, this, this next phrase. He says, instead of responding with worry and frustration, he's talked to us. He said, hey, trust in the Lord, do good, delight in the Lord. But then he says this, because this is, I think, where it plays itself out a lot in our own life. He says, commit your way to the Lord. He says this in verse five. And this idea of commit your way to the Lord literally means to cast yourself And your concerns on him without reserve. It literally means, hey, roll the problems that you have that are on your shoulders. Roll the weight that, that you're carrying. And I want you to roll that weight. And I want you to hand that weight off to God. I want you to roll what's on your shoulders onto his shoulders. Commit your way to him. When I was in college, one of the shows that I enjoyed watching was there was the world's strongest man. And ESPN, he's, they show this you know, show all the time. They've been showing it for a long time. Uh, but it's, I, I enjoyed watching it. And what they would do, if you've ever seen it, is they would have you know, eight or ten guys from different countries all over the world, and they would compete in these uh, events. And every single one of these events would test the, the guy's strength in different ways. And I mean, these guys were all huge, like super strong people. And every single event was just I was intrigued by it, just how strong I mean, sometimes they're pulling an airplane, they're picking up cars. I mean, it's, these guys are strong, and they're, they're doing these events, trying to win this competition and be the world's strongest man. But one of the events was they would have to pick up these massive rocks. I think we have a picture. They would, they would have to pick up these massive rocks that would I mean, that are heavier than us. And they would have to carry these rocks to, you know, they'd have to walk them to a certain place. And a lot of times they'd have to set them up on a platform. And when you watch this, what happens is these guys, and these are some of the, literally the strongest people in the world, they would pick these rocks up and immediately like the veins would just be like exploding. Their faces would be red. I mean, they're working so hard because they're carrying something that isn't supposed to be carried by a human being. Like they're doing something that's not natural. Like they're not supposed to carry this much weight. And, and they would do this and they would go set the stone down and then they would go back and there would be a heavier one and there would be like four or five in a row and they would have to pick them up and put them there. And, and what made it so intriguing was, man, even these, the strongest men in the world, they, they just struggled and they would drop it and they would, it was just hard. But as we think about them, that's honestly what we do like we are picking up rocks that we are not meant to carry that they are we are not meant to carry some of the things we carry and for some of us we we literally live our life like this guy and like every single day we're carrying these burdens and these worries and these frustrations that we physically mentally spiritually are not we're not built to carry these things but yet we do it and it's exhausting and what God's saying is, through this person, David, is, man, stop carrying it. Trust me and hand them over to me. You're not meant to carry these. Commit your way to me. And then what happens? The end of verse 5, At the very towards the end of it, here's what, what, what David says. When we trust in the Lord, when we do good, when we delight in Him, when we take the the things that we're carrying, that we're not supposed to carry, we're not meant to carry, and we hand those off to God. It says this, he will act. He will act. One one thing I found in my life is when I trust him and he acts, it turns out much better than when I don't trust him and I act. I, I would guess you would maybe say the same thing. When, when we, here's what I've noticed, at least in my life, if, if I want to carry the rock and I want to try to carry the rock, God will let me, he'll, he'll let me, he'll let me kind of carry the rock, he'll let me struggle with it, but he's standing there the whole time like, man, if you would just trust in me, if you'll just hand that frustration over to me, if you'll hand that worry over to me, if you'll just give it to me, I'm, I'm capable of carrying this for you, but I'm not going to take it from you, you've got to hand it over. And if you'll hand it over, then I will act in the midst of what you're struggling with. But I'm not going to act until you do what I tell you to do. Because when you do, you're telling me you trust me. And here's the thing. No matter what your faith background, no matter if you're watching online or you're here this morning, when stuff hits the fan, you go somewhere for help. We all do. And where you and I go usually dictates how we respond. Like where you go when stuff gets tough or where you go when that frustration comes, where you go when you start to worry. We all go somewhere. And where we go has a huge effect on how we respond to the challenges of our life. And David's advice to us is this, when struggles come, instead of overworking, instead of staying up at night worrying about it, instead of leaning into unhealthy distractions, trust in the Lord and do what is good. We exhaust ourselves and we hurt other people when we don't. When I don't trust in the Lord and do good, I get exhausted and I hurt the people that are closest to me. Because I I can't do life the way God wants me to do life if I'm carrying things I don't have the ability to carry. And neither can you. And then David says, commit your way to the Lord. That rock you're carrying, the thing that keeps you up at night, the area of your life you're afraid to let go of, God says, you can depend on me. Just just give it to me. Just hand, hand it over. And, and for me, like, like you, I, I face challenges. I face things that worry me. I, I face things that if I allow them to, can keep me up at night. I face things that, man, if I, if, if I allow them to affect me, man, I find myself just wanting to binge on TV or eat a bunch of stuff I'm not supposed to, get lazy, get short with my family, be impatient. I, I, I can find myself going to all those places when I'm carrying things I'm not supposed to carry. And, and you do too. Maybe your distractions aren't the same distractions I go to, but you go to some distractions. And, and you hurt your family, and you hurt people that are close to you, and you struggle with life just like I do when we're carrying things we don't have the ability to carry. But for me, over the last few years, what's been a game changer, and I've told you guys about this before, is is prayer. And and I can't think of a better way to live out our trust in God. I can't think of a better way, I mean, the very act of praying is saying to God, God, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I can't do this alone. When I pray to God, when you pray to God, just the act of praying is saying, God, I need you. And for me, that has been a game changer over the last few years as I've you know tried to carry things that I shouldn't carry. I don't have the ability to carry. And when I try to carry them, I actually mess them up. Prayer has changed the game for me. And for some of you, the idea of prayer is intimidating. And you, you may have grown up in a, in a place or you may have grown up in a tradition where like only the really spiritual people prayed. I mean, they were so spiritual that when they prayed, they actually took on a different voice. You like a prayer voice? Like you talk to them normally, but then when they start praying, they like change their voice. They start using bigger words than they would ever use in real life. You're like, what? Bob, are you still here? Is that somebody else? Because, I mean, he, Bob, when he's praying now, he's he like, rrr, rrr, you know, talks weird and big, big words, like the bigger words you use, maybe the, the more access to God you get or something. I mean, that's kind of the tradition you, you grew up in. Or, or maybe that's for you, what you've thought of. When, when we talk about prayer, you think, I don't know. I don't know that I'm spiritual enough or that I have the prayer voice or that I can get God's attention because I don't know all the big words, But but that's not what it's supposed to be like. Prayer is simply talking to God. It's taking time to thank him for his work in the past and inviting him into your life in the present. It's just talking to God. And and though God knows what's going on in our life, obviously he's God. He he already knows what's going on in our life. He he wants you and I to talk to him. He wants to hear from us. He's our loving father. And, And just like for me, Yesterday. Great example. I got home from uh, my trip and I walked in. My daughter, when I got home, my daughter ran out of the house excited. She was excited because they had a surprise for me. And on phone calls throughout my little trip, she would say, oh dad, when you get home, when you get home. And I kind of had a hint what the surprise was going to be. And then when I walked up to my house and I looked in the windows and I saw a bunch of Christmas lights, I got a clue like, oh, they decorated for Christmas because I love Christmas and they decorated early. And I knew that. I, I knew as I'm walking up, I can see it in my windows. But I walked up there like I was so happy that my little girl wanted to show me and tell me all about it, even though I already knew because I love her to death and I was so excited just to talk to her about it. And this is God. He God already knows what you're struggling with. He already knows what's going on in your life. But he's a loving father. And he wants you to get, get up on his lap. And, and take the things that are burdening you. That he already knows about. And just give them over to him. And just talk to him. That's what he's looking for. He loves you. And, and he wants you to talk with him. And for some of you. It, it might be. Maybe you have trouble like praying. And, and for you it might be getting a journal and just writing your prayers. and for, That might be a better way to do it. And I know my wife does that somewhere. She'll just literally write out her prayer to God. For you, it might be like saying it out loud. Like for, for some people, man, they, they just want to voice their prayer to, and it's easier for them to pray to God if they can just talk out loud to God, just like I am right now. For for other people like me, I have a little journal, and i, I don 't write out my prayers, but what I do is I write out all the names of people that i 'm praying for, the situations that i 'm praying for, and I, I sit down in my chair and I kind of use that as a guide to just walk through things that are on my heart, just giving them over to God and praying for different things and, and so you have to figure out what works for you, but here 's what I want you to do. I want you to think, what would it be like this next week if instead of you walking through life worried Instead of you walking through life carrying things that you can't carry, you're not even capable of carrying, what if every single day this week you took a few minutes to talk to God about what's going on in your life? I'm not talking about an hour, maybe it's five minutes. Think about your life right now. You don't have to use spiritual words. You don't have to speak in a different voice. You just talk to God like you would talk to your friend and you tell him what's on your heart, you tell him that you're, what you're struggling with, and you just ask for his help, ask for his wisdom, what would your week look like? If just this week, you just took one week, and instead of focusing on your issues, you just took them to God. Like, when would you do that, actually? I want you to think, like, when in your day? When in your day? Because we're not talking about this as this idea that Oh, no, that was a great idea. No, no. Like, if you were to do it this week, when in your day would be the best time for you to just take five or ten minutes consistently and just talk to God? Just give him your worries. Just give him what's on your heart. Just tell him what you're happy about. Tell him what's going on in your life and ask for him to enter those and guide you with those. When, when in your day? For some of you, maybe it's the morning. <laughs> Maybe it's on the way to work. Maybe you got a drive and and a pretty long drive, and for you that's the time. Maybe it's right before you go to bed. Maybe it's your lunch break. But when would be a good time for you to talk to your Heavenly Father? Because this stuff won't happen by accident. If we leave today or you're watching online and we just turn the the, the video off today and we walk out and say, man, it would be nice if I didn't have to carry all this stuff. It wouldn't be nice if I didn't have to stay up at night worried about stuff. It would be nice if I could deal with this frustration that's been going on in my life, but you don't do anything about it, then you're going to just have the same kind of week you had last week. But what if we set aside some time because God desires to communicate with us He has wisdom he wants to give you, but he will not force himself on you. You have to talk to him. Jesus' brother James, he said it this way. He said, does any of you lack wisdom? And at that point, every hand in the place should go up. Yes, we lack wisdom. James said, hey, just ask God for it. And he will give it to you liberally, abundantly. But he says, you have to ask in faith. You have to ask believing that what God gives you, the wisdom he gives you, is good. So here's the the choice as we close. We can walk through life like that guy on the picture, just straining to carry the hurts, the weights, the frustrations, the questions. And, and we can try to lean on things that aren't sure, or we can hand off those weights, those worries, those frustrations to God. That doesn't mean they're going to go away magically, but we're going to say, God, you're going to deal with them. And then we can lean on him just like I was leaning on this platform. And because we're leaning on something that's sure, and we've given over those things to God, we can just focus on doing what's good. Just doing good. If you're here or you're watching online and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, you know what I would encourage you to pray? I would encourage you to pray this week, God, if you're real, if Jesus is real, if you can really change my life and my heart, reveal yourself to me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Your word, I thank you for David. I thank you for just the honesty that David gives us. He just speaks truth. He tells us, yeah, there's evil people. Yes, there's things that should worry us. Yes, there's there's people that seem to prosper that aren't good people. It seems like the the good guys are losing and the bad guys are winning sometimes. Yes, all that's true. But David reminds us, Lord, and I'm so thankful that, man, this evil, it's seasonal. It's going to go away. It's going to pass away. And even in the midst of it, even when it's upon us, we can hand over our issues to you. We can hand over our struggles to you and we can trust you and you are sure. And when we trust in you because you're sure, we can just focus on doing good. As we close... I want you to think about your week. I'm going to close this out here, but I want you to don't think about the person next to you. Don't think about what you're doing after church today. Just think about your week. What time of day would be the best time for you to set aside five to ten minutes and just talk to God? Just tell Him what's going on in your life. Just ask for His wisdom. Thank Him for the good things in your life. What time of day would would be good. Would you be willing just between you and God to say, God, this week I'm setting up a reoccurring appointment and I want to meet with you every day for this next week. Would you be willing to do that? And by doing that, just the act of doing that, you're saying, God, I need you. I trust you. Lord, I pray that we would not be just hearers of your word, but we would be doers. In Jesus' name, amen.